The world is crazy, it's pretty clear. You need to know why, how it affects the lives of those we hold so dear. I can't explain everything, but together, maybe we can find our way. Aren't you tired of the violence, the hatred, the racism? We need a brand new day. And what about climate change, housing that's substandard but still unaffordable, and our public education system that favors some and leaves so many others behind? But who's going to pay? And then there are the jobs with wages so low they make you feel worthless as you struggle to pay the rent and all the other bills piled high. Yes, we need a brand new day. Is there enough hope among us to overcome despair? Enough wisdom to overcome ignorance? Enough generosity to overcome deprivation? Enough goodness to overcome all those who claim to be patriots but hate their government? We need a brand new day. That's right, a brand new day. This is Lehigh Valley Discourse, only on WDIY, and I'm your host, Alan Jennings. And that would be me. This is election season, folks, and some of you are probably already sick of it. People like me live for this stuff, and so do the candidates. And tonight we've got some local races that we want to feature. First is uh, Allentown Mayor, and secondly, uh, Northampton County Executive. So we have got on the phone with us tonight, Tim Ramos, who is the Republican candidate for mayor in the city of Ballantown. Tim, welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. This is, I think, your second run at mayor, isn't it? Yes. Did you learn anything from the first time? Absolutely. <laughs> you want to tell, you know, it might be strategically uh, secret, but do, do you have any uh, examples of what you think you learned or... Well, I mean, just definitely, um, of course, our marketing is different. Our, our strategy is a little different. But, you know, you, you learn as you go on. We're much better prepared for this election than we were last election. And, of course, we're better known. And you also are speaking in the first-person plural instead of the first-person singular. That's right there is uh, learning something, right? <laughs> Always. <laughs> You're calling yourself we. That's pretty typical for a candidate. Well, you know, what What you end up having is a lot of candidates talk about we and this I've, I've noticed from past elections, they say we and they uh, they talk about their team, and uh, most times they don't have a team. Most candidates run alone, and if they have a team, it's maybe one person. I actually have a team. I, I have a good, solid team, uh, and we do real well. Well, one of the problems, one of the things you don't have is a voter uh, registration advantage, obviously. And you know, you're a Republican in a city that I don't know what the uh, the differential is, but it's substantial. And so I'm curious about how. You know, you're a Latino, and, and Latinos are now, I think, in the majority in the city, but Latinos historically have not uh, been very, you know, good at voting. They've not participated as, as they could and should. So what is your, strat- what is your strategy? How, how, do you, how do you win this election under those circumstances? Well, I guess we, we're at three-to-one voter registration. Uh, you would say this happens, but voter registration misses the point. People in my community don't think that way. They vote Democrat because the Democrats are the ones who have been talking to them. I've criticized local Republicans for years. I'm not sure if you know, I used to be a registered Democrat up until 2017. And I, I always criticized uh, local Republicans for not talking to our community. And I saw the dangers of having a one-party rule system in a city like Allentown. And I talked about those dangers for many years with Latino leaders, with black leaders, just city leaders in general. We're seeing that, I, I believe, play out right here. We see the consequences of one-party rule. So... You know, my, my impression is that Republicans are more likely than Democrats are to move out of the city, partly because, you know, they can afford to. 
Uh, you know, and, and that, that I think has – so it's a, it's a pretty big record of disinvestment. I'm not saying Republicans are any more at fault. I mean, you know, they, they have the resources. It's their right to do what they want with them. But, you know, that, that I think has a lot to do with it. And, and so that would make your, your Spanish background, I think, much more powerful. Are you going to be able to convince enough Democratic registered Latinos to come your way? Victor Martinez recently put Matt Turk, the Democratic candidate, in the same category as you in terms of being, quote, Latino. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts about that are. Well, you know, I read uh, Victor's report, and actually Victor's report, he, you know, typically when you write op-ed, you, you know, the decent thing to do is contact the people that you're talking about. Victor talked about my parents being born in New York. They weren't. They're native born to the island of Puerto Rico. My father's from Corozal. My mother's from Cataño and raised in Dorado. But it's about community. It's about coming from this community. I was born in New York, but I was raised in Allentown. I've been here since I was two years old. I don't I've never, you've never heard that out of my mouth. I'm from New York because I'm not. I'm, I'm an Allentown native. People who work in the downtown know me because I've been working with them for many years. I grew up on 7th Street. Me being Latino is genuine. Where you know that That's my culture. That's actually the way I was raised. It's not something I came to know when I was in my 20s. It was not something I found out later. I grew up with both sides of my grandparents speaking to me in Spanish, telling me you know how, how their culture was and how the culture of our community. So that's how I understand it, and that's when that's why when I talk to people downtown, we're not split over political parties. We're not split over those things at all. We talk about the issues that matter, and I understand it well because I come from the downtown. You, you and I both know there's an awful lot of ignorance out there. I mean, people think Puerto Rico is a different country. You know, they don't realize Puerto Ricans are Americans, just like uh, just like uh, you know my white face is. You know, so we got a lot of teaching to do, right? So tell our our listeners what I can. My our listeners, I bet you, are ninety percent voter registered, and they're smart people. How would you convince the average voter to support you? What what, what qualifies you to be the mayor of a city with a population of one hundred and twenty five thousand people? Well, you know, I've always been focusing on the key issues: housing, crime, quality of life. That's what I've been doing for the last twelve years. Uh, you know, I've been talking in city council meetings. And I've been on the right side of every major issue. When the always and when I say on the right side, I'm on the side of the people, the side of the communities most affected. When they talked about doing the water lease, the community didn't want it. I shared where I did the research and shared with city council that we would put ourselves essentially a billion dollars in debt. And then they argued with me and said, "Tim, it's not a billion dollars; it's seven hundred fifty-six million dollars." I said, "Oh, I'm sorry." <laughs> Which, yeah, so, you know. But I've been involved in arguing these issues for years, and you know, people can talk about experience, or t- people can talk about education. I've argued that we're not lacking in education in the city of Allentown; we're lacking in sound judgment. And I've been on the right side. I've been involved arguing these things for the last 12 years. My opponent only started showing up on these issues when he decided he was going to run for mayor. And he didn't even vote in 2017 when Pulaski was on the ballot and he was an indicted candidate. So, you know, when we talk about who's been present, who's been doing the work, well, Tim Ramos has been here with the community doing the work. You know, my opponent hasn't. That's why nobody knows him besides the political establishment. The community doesn't know him. The people don't know him, and it's a shame. You know, I, I find him to be a nice guy, but I think that's the problem. We have a bunch of nice guys who run for these positions, 
but we don't have individuals who are actually with the community and the people. You know, where when when do we get the substance? I've been giving substance for twelve years. I I can be honest. I've never seen my opponent in a city council meeting. I've never seen my opponent in a county committee meeting or a school board meeting. Right. You're listening to WDIY. This is Lehigh Valley Discourse. I'm your host, Alan Jennings. My friend and uh, helper over there, James Johnson, is making the thing work. He's the news director. Thanks, James, for all of your help all this time. Okay, so back to Tim Ramos, candidate, Republican candidate for mayor of Allentown. How does a Latino favor a party that has been consistently anti-immigrant, has tried to limit resources to, that are desperately needed by low to moderate income people, which Latinos are disproportionately? How do you, as a, as a person of color, fit in, if you will, to the Republican Party of Donald Trump? So, you know, one, I don't agree with the characterization, but people here aren't worried about border issues because you have a a large uh, Latino population. Eighty percent of the Latino community is Puerto Rican. Much of the remaining 20 percent is Dominican. Eighty percent of our Dominican population is already nationalized and they, they have become citizens. So we have a different environment in the city of Allentown. And I've heard people in years prior try to uh, make the case for illegal immigration and those things. And that's something that's near and dear to my heart. My wife's Dominican. And for example, her one of her aunts had to wait about 30 years to be nationalized while her sisters and brothers were two to seven years, no problem. For We didn't understand what the problem was with this one family member, but she paid and, and she filed her paperwork and things like that. But in our community, you know, they're worried about paying rent. They're worried about the strength of their community. They're worried about our schools. They're worried about public safety. And again, you know, you have overwhelming push to say the party of Donald Trump. Donald Trump didn't become a Republican until he ran for president. Right. So I don't see the party, one, as being his. And I... I clearly see a huge shift in the parties so we go back to the 60s well what what did we have the 60s you had the country club republicans and the blue collar workers shifted into the democrat party well today that's the opposite you have the blue collar workers in the republican party and at the end of the day people want jobs people like me people like my family people like my friends latinos in the city of allentown and i've spoken with many of them and I can be honest, I, I remember speaking to a gentleman and he said, you know, Ramos, I, I, I support you 100%. I hate Donald Trump. He said, but for the first time in five years, I have a consistent job and I'm able to feed my kids. And that's what people care about, you know, and that's what I always present. So I present the man on the street. I'm from here. I'm, I, I'm, I'm presenting my morals, my integrity, my character, my value. And they agree with me. But Donald Trump is really defining the party these days. So do you, do you support, are you a supporter of, of the former president? Well, you know, I supported the policies. I, I often said when I was talking to party leaders that I, I wish that his rhetoric matched what he did on paper. I'm a person who believes in, in character. I didn't like his character. I'm also a person who believes in effective communication and bridge building. So, you know, I didn't like the... You know, the, the idea of pouring gas on a flame just, just for the sake of doing that, I don't like that. Yeah. So that's something that I never liked or appreciated. You know, I always, uh, again, I joked, I, I never watched The Apprentice. I never cared for the show. You know, right, I never right. liked the man's character. I think as people in business or looking at the economy, we can agree that on paper, 
the, his policies worked. Do I like the man's character? No, I never did. All right. So let's say you're elected mayor. What are your, th- what are your top three priorities as mayor? My top three priorities are always quality of life, clean streets, safe streets, and I'm just going to add one more is education. Education. Okay, so what do you do with education when you're mayor? Because mayors in Pennsylvania don't really have any influence over the educational process. And I agree, yeah. the schools are causing great, tremendous problems for us as a city. Yeah. Well, you know, one of my proposals has already been the Mayor's Council on Education. We're going to get together with city leaders, business leaders, professionals, teachers, parents, because that's the biggest thing is we need to engage parents and have both administrations a part of this working together, the school district and the the mayor's office, to help the school district come up with real solutions for their financial crisis. And, you know, if we, we need to do something, because if we stay underfunded, after the state has already pumped tens of millions of dollars additionally into the school district, we're going to just continue to go down the wrong path. So we need to help them. And in the city of Anton, I've said this for the last three to four years, we cannot continue to have a mayor who ignores the school district. We need to work together, and we need the help to build home ownership. What about quality of life? That, you know, that takes in all kinds of things. What, what are your thoughts about quality of life? You know, when we talk about quality of life, I mean, we're talking about the basic needs of our, our, our community. You know, I've done, I effectively started an initiative in January, cleaning the streets every, every week. We pick a neighborhood and we go out with my whole team. We stop all campaigning. And for that period of four to six hours, we're in that neighborhood just picking up trash. We were able to network with the city, and, and they pick up the trash after we've done it. We'll leave it in the corner. They'll come grab everything. You know, we need to start with the basics. Litter, loud music, dirt bikes, blight. Because in the, a city like ours, it's in the basic things that our city officials are failing our community. So those are the things that I hear about at the door. Those are the issues that people are worried about. Race is, a, is another big one for too many of us, I guess. I mean, it's just sad that in 21st century America, we still have the problems that we've got. In some ways, you know, we've made some great strides of, in progress, and in other ways, we seem to be just falling further and further behind. My experience as a white guy is that there's a, a lot different perspective between black and brown people as it relates to race. What yeah. are your plans for addressing issues related to race and ethnicity in Allentown? Well, that's a great question. That's something that I've been dealing with since I was a young leader at the age of 19, 20 years old. I remember even in my church, I was addressing that issue. And uh, I remember <laughs> someone who was uh, one of, uh, a worker from another church, and he said, wow, brother, they're going to say you're belligerent. I, I believe we deal with those issues head on, you know. And one thing that I don't do is talk from the perspective of victimhood. I don't believe in that. I don't consider myself a victim, and I believe that blacks and Hispanics, when we talk like that, we put ourselves at deficit, and I'm not deficient in anything. I have the ability, my family has the ability, we all have the ability to go out and be successful. But, you know, I've dealt with racism in in the city of Allentown. My family was the first Hispanic family in our neighborhood back in 1987. And if you saw my brother, we come from the same parents, but as little kids, I was very, very dark. He's a, a little white boy, right? And <laughs> he was allowed to play with the neighbor's kids on the swings, and I wasn't. Wow. And I remember the neighbor yelling from her back porch, don't let that little N-word come into my yard. Wow. 
Wow. And of course, me and my brother were probably four and five years old, and my sister pulled us out of that yard. But that has been something that it doesn't, I don't believe in creating handicaps for our community, for a black and brown community. I believe that's something that should motivate us to be successful. That should be our motivator to, do you say, kill people with kindness, kill them with success. So I've made it my mission to uplift people. When I've dealt with racism throughout my life, it's just been a motivator. I, I don't fall apart. I don't become emotional about it. I say, okay, because, you know, at the end of the day, I can't fight you to change what's in your heart, but I can be an example to show you better. And that doesn't mean we got to be best friends. That doesn't mean I got to talk to people like that because I, I don't, obviously. But um, that's been how I've dealt with it in the past. I believe in killing people with success, you know. So when they tell me I can't because of my race, I overcome. You're listening to WDIY. This is Lehigh Valley Discourse. I'm your host, Alan Jennings. My guest is Tim Ramos, Republican candidate for mayor of Allentown. Tim, we got enough time to ask you one more question. When you look back at your record, let's say you're elected, you spend four or eight years as mayor, and there are no term limits for mayor. You could be there for 20 years, for that matter. What do you expect will be your legacy? What are people going to say You know, Tim Ramos made, made possible? They're going to say that Tim Ramos fought for stronger homeownership, stronger neighborhoods, and giving our community a voice and a presence. You know, for so long, our community has been ignored by City Hall. That's been my frustration over the last 12 years. That's what motivated me to get into the race. You know, politics is not something I saw myself getting into uh, ever, but it was really just that issue of the City Hall, what I felt was a justice issue. It was unjust for them to continue to ignore the needs of the community. And my biggest thing is that I wanted to show people that Allentown can be more than just a stop on the road to somewhere else. It can be home. It can be where you plant roots, raise a family, make a stronger neighborhood, a stronger community, and we can build together. And that's what I want. I should have asked you a question right up front. Are you a Husky or a Canary? I was in a William Allen Canary wrestler in high school all four years, and I did pretty well. <laughs> all right. Tim Ramos, good luck to you as we approach the election. Folks, don't forget to vote. It's the most important thing you can do as a part of a democracy. Tim, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. I appreciate being invited on. You're listening to two Lehigh Valley Discourse on WDIY. I'm your host, Alan Jennings. That was Tim Ramos. In just a minute, we're going to have Matt Turk, his Democratic opponent. Stay with us. Hey, it's Steve Inskeep with NPR's Morning Edition. NPR and WDIY have been working together since 1995 to keep you informed about your world and your community. As NPR's reporters are bringing you the latest from Washington, WDIY's volunteer hosts are updating you on the traffic on Route 22 and I-78. As NPR is bringing you conversations with politicians from around the globe, Alan Jennings is having conversations with political candidates in Allentown and Bethlehem. That's because WDIY is your NPR station. It's live, it's local in the Lehigh Valley, and it's your support that is crucial to keeping this partnership going. Support NPR and WDIY today with a gift during this membership drive. Visit WDIY.org or call 610-758-8810. That's 610-758-8810. Thanks.
Welcome back. You're listening to Lehigh Valley Discourse on WDIY. I'm your host, Alan Jennings. I dig politics, and I'm a, I'm a policy guy, a wonkish type of person, and you're going to hear this kind of stuff all the time. We are approaching the election. This is local election time. People don't vote. I don't know why. It makes me crazy. But hopefully we can stir a little bit more interest than we usually get. Tonight we have Tim Ramos's opponent. Um, we just heard from Tim. That is Matt Turk. Matt won the Democratic primary over a number of strong candidates. And Matt, first thing I ought to do is congratulate you on a pretty impressive victory in the primary. Thanks. I appreciate that. It was hard fought. There's a, there was a tremendous field of candidates, and I appreciate getting an opportunity to get to know them all and to sharpen our ideas against some really great thinkers and really committed servants to the city of Allentown. And now we're looking forward to November 2nd. So you raised a ton of money. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that has its kind of blessings and its curses to it. You know, you're going to have a better name recognition because of it. Um, but you're also going to have people saying you're the suit in the race. What do you do with that? Yeah. What do you do? So the, I think the, the people who contributed to my campaign were not simply it. We raised a ton of money because I have a really big network of people. I've lived outside of Allentown before I came here. I was in South Carolina. I have a grad school network of people and friends. I've got an extended family that is in Colorado and is in Miami. And I have people who support who I am in those places. And they, they knew the strength of my ideas and wanted to get behind me. I've lived here in Allentown for 12 years working in regional economic development. So I've gotten to know people across the Lehigh Valley who knew what I would bring to the mayor's office. They knew that I was a candidate who really understood the interconnections between Allentown and Bethlehem and, and Whitehall and the rest of the Lehigh Valley. And that's what allowed me to tap into a greater pool of funding support. But it, it also, it's, it's a group of people who have the interest of not just Allentown, but of the entire Lehigh Valley at heart. And then I have a, a big network of people here in Allentown who are able to help. So it's not that we had like any one person who is writing $20,000 check or anybody who is bringing a ton of resources to bear. It's a lot of people across the region who want to see Allentown successful. And, and people who, I'd add, people who know who I am and know that the biggest thing that I lacked a year ago was not experience, was not ideas, was not energy, but it was name recognition. So I know people in organizations across the Lehigh Valley but the people here in Allentown, because I've worked regionally for so long, didn't really know who Matt Turk was. So what they were doing was the support that they gave me gave me an opportunity to to get my name known across the city of Allentown. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. And like the idea that I'm the suit, I, I think all you have to do is take a look at me <laughs> and, and listen to uh, my ideas. And you can see pretty quickly that I'm not the suit. <laughs> That's not who I am. I'm sure you've analyzed the numbers from the from the primary election. I'm wondering if there is anything that you learned in the primary that is driving your strategy in the general election. Did you have weak spots in, in certain constituencies and certain precincts? And, well, what's your strategy going through the next, what is it, 40 days or so, 45 days? It's less, actually. I think we're like 26 days. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Later. yeah and, and it'll probably be even less by that point. But I don't want to give away too much of the strategy, but... Again, it's we were successful in the primary by doing the analytics, you know, looking and seeing where the votes are, by 
getting out there and delivering our message and then hustling, right? So I quit my job to do this. I thank my wife, Karen, who works at Muhlenberg College, who took on extra courses to make sure that we could put food on the table. It allowed me to get out there and work, right? And so just knocking on every door that I could. If I learned anything from the primary, it's that we didn't do as well in places where we couldn't knock as much, right? So if there was a place that that I wasn't able to get to as many doors or talk to as many people, we didn't see the the high numbers there. So to, in terms of anything, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna to to mention any spe- specific weak spot, but just know that that's where I am. I'm I'm the type of guy that when you show me where we didn't do as well, that's the first place that I go to address. So. We're continuing to get out there. Uh, you know, the strategy going forward is clearly communicate the message about what I will be able to do as the mayor of the city of Allentown, working in collaboration with our partners, speaking clearly with our residents in both English and in Spanish, and and getting ready and you know hitting the ground running, yeah, working, getting getting started on day one, and really on day you know minus one, uh, we're we're going to get started before as soon as possible. You're listening to Lehigh Valley Discourse on WDIY. I'm your host, Alan Jennings. Tonight we're talking to the two candidates from Aaron Allentown. If you're just joining us, you missed Tim Ramos. Um, we've got Matt Turk now. Matt, you get uh, elected, you've got a, a job a- ahead of you. Could be mayor for one term, you could be mayor for four terms, there are no term limits. What are your top three agenda items when you take office soon after you get elected? So one is improved communications in the city of Allentown. I think that we all saw 2020 was a really tough year. And I think the team at the city and communications didn't do as good a job as they could have in keeping Allentown's residents informed about things like COVID, things like the very basics of street sweeping and and snow removal. We had the murder of George Floyd, which resulted in protests. There, there was just a, a ton of opportunity for us to be present, and we didn't do that. So communications is, is a big thing for me. It's, it's leveraging skills that I developed in the years that I spent promoting our region. Uh, another big agenda item, I want to give Mayor O'Connell a tremendous amount of credit for the work that he's done in the past four years, stabilizing morale among city employees. Allentown has an 800-person headcount. What I see the need to do in the future is facilitate collaboration among departments. We have to we have to build a culture in Allentown of interdepartmental collaboration to serve our city's residents, right? This is this is the business that we're in is in we're in the business of government services. So providing services Focus that, you know, the customer service uh, attitude at the city of Allentown. I know those 800 people are all dedicated public servants. I want to provide them with some direction, some leadership around that. And those are kind of, you know, that's the the business of, of doing business. I think we also have to continue to work to put Allentown on the map, attract investment to our city for job opportunities, to create opportunities for youth. One thing that I learned from knocking on so many doors during the primary, people in Allentown want they want a, a clean city, they want a safe city, they want a healthy city, they want they want the city, they want us to take care of the basics, but they really, really, really want 
our leadership, whether it's at the city of Allentown or the Allentown School District or in our nonprofit partners or healthcare partners, they want our leadership focused on outcomes. I'm creating positive outcomes for our youth. Kids in the city of Allentown, a lot of the issues that we have in the city tie back to a loss, a lack of focus on creating youth opportunities. So I'm going to engage with our neighborhoods. I'm focused on neighborhood level development and building public health in those neighborhoods. And a lot of that is going to be tied back to youth opportunities. So working to create youth sports organizations where they've, they've fallen back, working with the school district, being an ally to the school district to, to ensure better outcomes for our kids. So it's really, it's communications, it's better management of city business and neighborhood development with an eye on youth and health. Matt Turk, we're going to offer you our best uh, wishes for good luck in the mayoral election. Thanks for joining us tonight. You are listening to Lehigh Valley Discourse on WDIY. I'm your host, Alan Jennings. Matt, thanks, thanks for being Alan. here. Yeah, thanks. And just real quickly, people need to get out. You have it until October 18th to register. You should be registered to vote. You have until October 18th. And then absolutely get out and vote. This is what we're telling our Latino voters here in Allentown is good to register, but you have to vote or it doesn't really mean much. So get out and vote on November 2nd, please. Thanks, Matt. Stick around. We're going to talk to Steve Lynch, the Republican candidate for Northampton County Executive, on the other side. Stay with us. Hi, this is Mary Louise Kelly from All Things Considered. Our friends at WDIY have told us many of you have been enjoying NPR's news, public affairs, and music on WDIY using the new WDIY app. Well, this is just one of the ways WDIY is putting membership donations to good use. When it comes to public radio, you can always count on NPR and WDIY to listen to you in order to serve you better. And you can be confident that your membership dollars are a wise investment. So help NPR and WDIY continue to build, innovate, and grow by making a gift now during WDIY's membership drive. You can give online at WDIY.org or you can call 610-758-8810. That's 610-758-8810. And thank you for your support. All right. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, you just missed uh, Matt Turk and, and uh, Tim Ramos, the two candidates for mayor of the city of Allentown. This next segment, Steve Lynch is joining us. Steve Lynch is a candidate for Northampton County Executive, and uh, he has rattled some cages. <laughs> I think it's safe <laughs> to say. And uh, Steve, what I want to do first is give you a minute to introduce yourself. Who are you? Where did you go to school? Where, what have you done in your career? Those kinds of things. Sure. And Al, thank you for having me today. I'm definitely looking forward to sharing with you my vision for Northampton County and the, definitely the change that people can expect to see under my administration. My name's Steve Lynch. As Alan had said, I'm running for Northampton County Executive, 43 years old, uh, married, father of two, uh, a son and a daughter, born and raised in Philadelphia, actually Northeast Philly, moved up to the Lehigh Valley in 2000, been living in Northampton County since 2003 when we moved from Shimersville into Northampton, uh, actually the borough now is where, where I live and raise my family. I'm a, I'm a patriotic American, frustrated with the direction that our, that our government's heading in, uh, which is why I decided to run for office this year and looking forward to, you know, again, bringing some good change to Northampton County. Lamont McClure, who in his campaign mailers has depicted uh, Steve Lynch as his Republican opponent as a terrorist, essentially. Right. Lamont 
chose to sit this out. So I just think the voters um, and listeners should know that uh, Lamont is not on the show tonight by his choice. That means that Steve Lynch is going to be able to take the time that uh, Mr. McClure might have had. How do you respond to the mailers that he's been sending out, essentially calling you a terrorist? Well, I would say a couple different ways. First of all, I think it's kind of comical that he would send out such blatant lies being an attorney. His flyers have actually turned into fundraising opportunities for me and actual just despising, loathing uh, toward him for actually doing it. People are sick and tired of these politics. Even his own flyer I had made mention in one of the videos that I had done with regards to the, to the flyer contradicted itself. You know, the whole uh, insurrectionist narrative that he has tried to paint is really, a, it's simply because his record is so bad he has nothing to run on. And, you know, as we're, as we're looking at here, I'm the only one on this forum. This is the second debate he's turned down. This is not the first debate. Uh, he's turned down two debates with me now, uh, and that's because, again, he has no record to run on. And uh, that's, you know, again, that's why I'm here. The accusations are, they're slanderous, number one. And again, as an attorney, you would think he he would know better. But I don't really get too much in the weeds with that. I'm so focused on what it is that I'm trying to do for Northampton County and working with our constituents and helping them out wherever I can. That's really where I've been devoting my time and attention. He is, I think, connecting you because of your attendance on January 6th, which was a, a very dark day, I think, for this country. You're presence there was not you weren't inside the building or how were you involved i wasn't involved in anything that was that transpired today that what, what you're referring to i had gone down there for a peaceful protest to to support our president at the time and uh, get together with other patriots in this country i had spent my i actually spent i did facebook lives the entire time i was down there anybody that wants to see what actually was was going on at least from my end you could, you could actually see it I was there for that rally. Uh, I, I was there, and I, I don't think I was closer within about 200 yards from the actual Capitol. I didn't even know what was going on when I was standing outside. So uh, the day itself, before all this, all the, the, the chaos had ensued, we were having a, a good time with the other individuals that were there. And, yeah, again, he, he's taking the, uh, the, the facts. So, you know, he's taken a, a million-plus people that were down there and basically lumping these individuals into something that we had nothing to do with. So, again, it's, it's just another deflection tactic that he decides to use because he has nothing to run on when it comes to his record. So uh, I'm not shocked. I'm, I'm absolutely not shocked that he, that he tries to do this. You're listening to Lehigh Valley Discourse on WDIY. I'm your host, Alan Jennings. I have on this night's program Steve Lynch, the candidate for Northampton County Executive on the Republican side in a county that two elections ago voted for Donald Trump. Steve, uh, another thing we got to just get it out of the way because you know I mean, you got national attention for your speech about the school board mandates in Northampton area school district, and um, you used the term "twenty strong men." Uh, was, was were you using that term as a metaphor, or were you, it was a sort of poetic license, like you know George Bush's one thousand points of light, or did you really mean you're going to send twenty tough guys in there to go beat the hell out of a bunch of school board members? Well. Obviously not the latter. I don't ever, I, my goal is never to incite violence. Um, I had shared this countless videos, but I'll do this for your, audi- your audience as well. I had been approached by parents in our school district. And when these parents had approached me, they were frustrated that the mask mandates took place. And I had actually warned them about two and a half months prior. I said, don't, because they were excited. They're like, oh, it's going to be, because back in the beginning of summer, they were talking about it'll be optional. And I said, don't count your chickens before they hatch. This is probably going to get mandated again. And sure enough, it did. So I got contacted on Thursday, which was three days before my speech. And what I was contacted by was a lot of women that had 
been going to these school board meetings. I can only speak for Northampton area because this is not an issue maybe going on in other areas and other school boards. These school board members were telling these women to shut up, sit down, calling them uneducated. This is provable fact. We've had many people tell me this from these meetings. So when I was talking about 20 strong men, it was one, it was my goal was to get more men involved. A lot of men do not get involved with school board stuff. It's a lot of the times it's the moms that are engaged and involved. So my calling for men was getting them more actively, politically active. And my whole goal by removing people is through the legal process. If you actually listen to what I talk about and you actually watch the videos that I record and things like that, I talk about the process of law. It's got to always be done by the process of law. Um, there's other individuals that may look at things differently. To look at the, the leftist mobs that were out there destroying our country for, for the past uh, two years, uh, destroying our cities and causing billions of dollars of damage. That's actually violence. Um, what I did was absolutely not. So, it, again, it was, it was a statement that was really more engaged to get men involved in the process and being active in their political process, especially with the school boards. And the, the good news is, is since, we've been, since we've done that, there's been a lot more people, a lot more men involved and uh, are, are going and getting involved in their school boards, which, again, is great. Civil discourse, if necessary and when necessary, is, is a good thing. It's good, good to have these conversations uh, with each other. We don't always have to agree. I say this all the time. Just because we don't agree doesn't make us enemies. You know, you, we may not have the, pol the same political viewpoints, but we are Americans. We should be able to unite behind, you know, being Americans and, and standing up for each other's rights. I believe in free speech. I think that people should have the right to say what they decide. This is why the founders never framed what, what was hate speech, because then it's very subjective to the individuals that hold the power to basically say, you know, and this is what we're seeing through censorship and everything else that's going on right now. So, yeah, it, it again... I did a ton of uh, footage on this just to help everybody understand what the what the purpose of my meeting was, and I, I think their response has been great. And obviously, since the, since that took place, which was over a month or so ago, there's been no violence at all going on in any of these school boards, especially anything that I had to do with. I went to one school board meeting, and remember, I'm running for county executive. My whole goal was to get people engaged and involved. This the, the parents now have taken this over completely. They're doing everything on their own, which is fantastic. It's all about we the people. Those of us who are very ideological in our politics, you know, we tend to be, know enough about stuff going on from the federal level all the way down to the local school district and local municipality. So um, I'm guessing that that's probably a good description of you, too. And so I'm wondering, why did you pick Northampton County Executive as a place to begin your political career, if you will? I mean, you could have gone to any level of government. What, what, what was it about Northampton County that, that made you decide to take Lamont McClure on? Good question, Alan. I actually appreciate that question. Thank you so much. The reason, I, well, this all started, I, I worked, I uh, was heavily involved in politics over the past year. And in doing so, I had significant concerns with election integrity. Now, people get all these, these this term, terminology mixed up, and they're, they're claiming we're claiming this. I believe we have election integrity issues. I believe that the election process is broken in this country. I just, when I looked at what was happening in Northampton County, because it's where I live, the positions that were, were needed to be filled. And when I looked at the county executive position, that was a position that fit my skill set very, very well. And also my concerns very, very well, being that the fact that the county executive has the ability, the purse strings when it comes to how we're going to run our election processes. So as I've been very, very clear about this, I want to forensically audit the election office on day one of my administration. I want to even audit when I win this election, I, I would say it, but I feel very confident that's not cockiness. I feel confident that I'm going to win this election. When I win this election, I will even audit 
my election. And I will do that because I believe that people have the right to know what is happening. We've seen too many discrepancies that are going on. So the reason I decided to run for Northampton County Executive was, one, the really poor job and the way that this county has been in decline under the past four years of this current uh, executive. Again, someone who won't even debate his opponent. He does not believe that he has to answer to the people. If he did, he would be debating. Lehigh County has already had two debates with their executive and their executive candidates. Um, This individual does not believe he has to answer to the people. I wholeheartedly disagree and believe that we are public servants. And um, that's really the focus of, of me running. I, I, you know, I want to run as a public servant. I'm out there. I'm working with the people. I've been helping healthcare workers fight the battle for uh, what's been happening with them losing their jobs. Uh, I've been working with school boards, uh, you know, the parents and the school boards. I'm out in the trenches with the people trying to make a difference in their lives for things that they're asking me for. So that's why I decided to run for county executive in Northampton County, because obviously I live here and, and also the job that's been done by McClure over the past four years. You know, I got to tell you, I worry about the extent to which we're we're talking about the the failures of the election because you know even in Ground Zero in Maricopa County in Arizona, Trump actually had fewer votes than before you know before the audit than after the audit, and and so I don't I don't think anybody's produced any real evidence of of, of problems in the system, and so that kind of leads to the question. I didn't want to talk about Trump very much. Can I but, can I can I comment on that? Well, um, I, I think I'm responding to your, you. Your, your right. statement is about, your, see, this is, this is where the media gets it wrong. Well, I'm your not media. I'm a volunteer. Well, no, I'm not saying you, know. you. I'm not saying you. I'm talking about what the media's put out there. That number was from the recount. Right. The recount of all the ballots, of which, through the forensic audit, at least 50,000, 55,000 are, at a very loose term, questionable. Arizona was decided by 10,000 votes. That was one county. Cyber Ninjas came across 272,000 votes that they cannot verify through the mail-in process. So if you have a state that was decided by less than 10,000 votes, and you already, already have one county through a forensic audit process, that, which people have called the gold standard of forensic audits, I mean, it was under 24-7 surveillance. You could look at it at any time. There was nothing hid, unlike what happened in Detroit and Philadelphia and everywhere else. They're boarding up windows, so you can't see what's going on. This election process is broken. Maricopa County, the goal with Maricopa County was not to prove or disprove if Donald Trump won. This is where people get all hung up. We don't care about that. We want to know what's happening behind the scenes in our election process. And when you have a county that proved patterns of fraud, you need to decertify your election and go back to the drawing board. Just because it's never been done before in this capacity doesn't mean that, you know, because people say, oh, there's no precedent. Well, guess what? Something has to happen once for there to be precedent. And that's what happened here in 2020. Let's get down to the level of the actual county government issues. Yeah, sure. And, and right. That's what I was planning for. Good. What are your, what would be your top three problems that you want to tackle as a county executive? Okay, yeah, let's, let's talk about Graysdale for a second. Now, it's, under, it's my understanding that during this past year, 97 people lost their lives uh, under the current executive's watch. Families weren't able to visit their family members before they passed. They could have also received PPE um, from your current county executive in the administration. They received millions of dollars of COVID money. That was poorly managed. People leave. They're leaving Graystale. We've lost contracts with organizations like uh, the VA. I have talked with numerous employees who've expressed major frustration with Lamont's mismanagement. And I'm going to hit the ground running once I'm elected. And under my leadership, I'm going to be bringing in high-level consultants, 
that are knowledgeable in their respective fields. That's about my big focus. They're going to be committed to my administration and winning for our county. And I'm going to give you an. Ex- I'll just give you one example from from one of my consultants, and I'll talk about some other issues as you're asking me to. Uh, this individual. Let me give you a few of his uh, projects that he's working on, that has worked on, and will be working with me in this county. Uh, he established a top-notch heart and vascular institute in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. He establishes. He is establishing the first private cardiovascular institute in Kingston, Jamaica, founded the International Heart to Heart Foundation for Medical Humanitarianism, and building and supporting an academy, an orphanage, and an elementary school. And his significant experience is also in setting up sustainable systems to address the needs of our county. So that's one area that I'm focusing on with Graysdale. Now, if we look at other specific departments, if you take, let's say, take the corrections. Now, I'm going to use the same doctor. And he's going to overview the healthcare system in the jail due to the fact that we've had some outbreaks with MRSA and COVID. Now, this is going to protect the people working there and the inmates as well. Now, it's my understanding that roughly 40 correction officers were hired but had their physicals, were, uh, they were waived. And this is, he was, they were waived because he's desperate. You know, this is McClure desperate. And he has no idea how to get and keep good help. Now, here's my solution to it. I have two warden consultants that are going to come in. One was a warden of a federal prison in Philadelphia and a former sheriff. The second one was a deputy warden at Greater for Prison. These Both have given me you, verbal you're commitment. You're going to hire? Is that what you're saying? They're, no, they're working. They're going to be coming in consulting for me. I see. Okay. They're going to be consulting for me. And they're committed, they're committed verbally to me and my administration. I have, this is what leaders do. Leaders, and I'm not a manager. I'm a leader. I'm going to connect the dots for this county. I'm going to bring in the right people to get the job done. And and then put them in place and empower them. We're going to get the hiring where it needs to be because if you take, let's take the sheriff's department, for example, I'm going to recruit deputies and COs because the schedules right now from, from the sheriff's deputies, I'm talk, they're, they're, they're killing them. The schedules are killing them. It's unsafe. The environment's unsafe. Um, the mandated overtime is, and they have no reprieve at all. And this comes directly from the employees. Now I'm bringing in a consultant with the sheriff's department who knows how to certify the sheriff's department with the proper accreditation. That individual is going to review the policies and procedures, and we'll update them as well. So those are just three three different areas of the of the county that I would be definitely directing my attention. Hopefully, that gives you a little bit of overview of, of some of the things that I'm focused on and answers your question. You're listening to WDIY. This is Lehigh Valley Discourse. I'm Alan Jennings, your host. My guest is Steve Lynch, the candidate uh, from the Republican Party for Northampton County, running against Lamont McClure. Mr. McClure chose not to be on this program, and that's why you're only hearing from Steve Lynch. And I'm not going to be, I don't think it would be appropriate for me as the, as the impartial host to defend Mr. McClure's record. And so that's, that's something that Lamont will have to do uh, himself. Steve, one of the most significant functions of county government is, the, is human services. Mm-hmm. You didn't mention that, and I'm just wondering... You know, let me start with a really basic question that I think is a critically important one, and that is, why are people poor? Why are people poor? Yeah, why do we have so many poor people? I mean, we've got cities population, some 20% of, this, of the population is, is, is poor. Why, is, why do we have so many poor people in a country that's so, so uh, economically powerful and strong? I mean, there's always been and always, I would imagine, there's always going to be people that are poor in this world. I look at government as should do two things really, really well. One is keep us safe. So if you think about local government, you have your police departments, you know, things like that that are going to be keeping you safe. Now, if you think more nationally, you'd be talking more military style. The second thing is that this government should be creating what I call an equal playing field, not socialism, an equal outcome, an equal playing field. 
Those two things are what the government should do very well. Outside of that, the government should be out of, outside of our lives. So when I talk about an equal playing field, this is probably a perfect example to what you're asking me. I'm a 43-year-old uh, male. I'm a business owner, so on and so forth. And I, let's say I wanted to go get a loan at a bank. And also there was a 28-year-old uh, Chinese-American woman um, who doesn't have much experience but has good credit, has this, has that. I believe that the system should be set up where people are getting whether it's credit or anything like that, what they're doing based off of merit and what it is that, you know, they're willing to do. And I'm using this as, you know, like a business as an example, someone wanting to get a loan. You can't have the government pick winners and losers. And that's a problem that you have in, in, our go- in government in general. So I just believe free markets work very well if you have true free markets. So, again, the, the government regulations that get put on, I would say business or anything like that. They don't. They do not help economies grow. We need to create an equal playing field so that each individual has an equal opportunity to get from point A to point B. Now, not everybody's going to arrive at the same destination. You got to factor in work ethic, uh, education. Now, here here's another way that you can help with creating a better workforce: having well-educated people. So, you know, if you look at your, I'm just saying in general, you look at a school system, if a school system's failing and people aren't getting educated properly, well, then you would need to look at the education system and make sure that individuals, and it should not matter if it's in in an inner city or in the rural, you know, suburb type of environments, education should be education. They should be focusing on reading, writing, arithmetic, getting people prepared for whether a workforce or being an entrepreneur, opening, running a business. Those are the things. Now, when you create an environment where, you know, competition. I was an athlete my whole life. I learned my best lessons in life from playing sports. Competition's great. You can't, you cannot empower people to go out and do great things when you basically are creating an environment where that's never their fault. It's somebody else's fault. You know, you're creating weakness. We're breeding weakness into society. You know, I, when I lost the game, I learned my most valuable lessons from losing, not winning. I agree. And, yep. and, and that's something I believe that we have to get back to as a society. You know, I get it. You know, I have kids. I don't want them to fail, right? I, but at the same time, I want them to go through the lessons if they do. You learn to lose. You yeah. have to learn to I lose. We, you know what? We're doing such a disservice to our, our youth and our children and teenagers because that's not being taught. You know, the okay. other thing you have issues with, if you think about education, is our education system is more focused on social justice programs than it is educating students. And we have more arguments about what's actually happening and just allowing kids to go to school than, than just focusing on educating them. So there's a lot that has to change. Now, some of that stuff is within my purview. Some of it is not. Some of it I would have no authority. But I would definitely lend my voice, lend my platform to help out in any way that I possibly can with something that may be beyond my scope of, of, of what I'm able to do. But yeah, I just we we can do these things, and we could definitely do these things. Major major changes can happen in society, and I just believe the further we get away from solid ethics and principles that really made our country great, this is when we're getting off track. So I think those are some good things that could help bring up not just wages but lifestyles. People need to have the right mindset. I mean, this is what I teach. I mean, my background is, is my, as a business owner has been in health and fitness and coaching and, and anti aging. I teach people how to be their best. That's literally what I've been doing for Absolutely. 20 years. Yeah, I would, I would agree yeah. that, that, you know, competition makes you want to excel, right? I mean, in, Absolutely. you want everybody to excel to the best of their ability. But what happens in competition, what competition does is it produces 
winners and losers. So what do you sure. do? You know, let's take it out of the sports franchise and let's put it into the job world or, or the ability to afford a place to live. What do you do for the losers when it comes to the economy? Is there something the county should be doing that, that steps up and, and says, look, uh, yeah, you lost, but we're going to make sure you're a winner the next time? Here, I'll give, you an, I'll give you an example of something I actually discussed with three gentlemen I met at a park one day. Um, these, these gentlemen I had a really nice conversation with, and we were having discussions on actually after-school programs. And this was inner-city things, and they were saying that these, these programs were really good. They kept kids out of trouble. Uh, it was run really as high schoolers were chaperoning. They were basically being the mentors, and it was, I think it was from like 6 to 12 or 5 to 12 groups. And they would run it during the summer. They would get a free, you know, they would get a meal, so on and so forth. And I said, well, that's great. I said, could you tell me how long ago that's not been in existence? And do you know why? I said, was it budgetary issues? Things that he goes, well, it's probably budget. And he said, but it's been about five or six years. It's been a while. I said, okay, interesting. So he, this gentleman goes on to say, well, why? You know, he goes, I would even be okay if sales tax went up or something, if we knew the money was going to go to something positive like this. I said, well, I understand that. I said, but I'm not going to be raising taxes at all in this county. And I said, but, he said, what if this? I said, I'm a business owner. I said, what if, we, what if I was able to leverage some of my business connections, have conversation with them? I said, the first thing we would have to do is, is, is figure out cost, the cost analysis of what this would cost. I said, so let's use a, a simple answer and say it's a quarter million dollars. I'm just a, a simple answer. I said, the first thing I would do as your county executives, I would actually have conversations with some of my business acquaintances. We don't need to raise taxes. There's a lot of business people that want to give back to the community. And I said to him, I said, what if I went out and was able to raise money through businesses where they could get really good press because they're helping out you know, it, you know, inner city youth and getting them meals and getting them these programs. The taxes don't go up. They get great publicity. The kids get what they need, and it's a win-win for the county. And these guys looked at me and they said, if you could do that, which I can, if you could do that, man, you got our vote. And these are the types of, in, these are the ingenuity, this is the type of thinking that I bring to the table that our current county executive doesn't because, again, he won't even debate. So you have a person like myself that's sharing this vision with you, sharing these ideas with you, and then you have somebody that any single, every single employee I've had a conversation with, and it's been hundreds, they cannot stand the job that this individual has done. And if he had really the, the, the foresight, he would be on this show in, in defense, but he does not do that because he does not want to debate me because he knows he has no record to run on which is why I'm sitting here talking to we the people, and he's sitting behind his desk hiding from any of this. Okay, so you, you just committed yourself to not, not raising taxes. Yes. We've got a children and youth system that's been broken, really, for so many years. There's yes. overwhelmed caseloads. I mean, it's just a horrendous situation. If you had, had to make the decision between raising taxes in order to fund more children and youth um, child protective services— would you? What would you do? Would you? Would you say to those kids and their to families, "Tough luck"? Or would you? No, 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 no absolutely not. The answer would not be tough luck. Absolutely not. Our, our youth, our children. You know, you think about the most vulnerable in our society. There's our, our elderly and 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 children. Yeah. So you, we can't do things at the expense of our children. But I, I would go back a couple things. One, just think about the example I just gave you there. Number one, with with what I talked about with getting businesses involved, that would be something that would would definitely be a significant benefit. And then the other thing is, is I want to forensically audit the entire budget. So I've started to do this already. I mean, between consultants that I've brought on, I spend multiple hours a week going through our budgets. And what, I'm, what I would suggest first and foremost, and this is what I'm going to do, I have a, a, a team that's working with me that once I get into office, 
We are forensically auditing, auditing every penny of where our money is getting spent. Because anybody or group that I talk to, when I ask the question, are you 100% confident that our, your government, I don't care if it's at the county level, the state level, or level, or the federal level, is doing things complete with complete efficiency, no waste, and possibly, depending on, no corruption. Everybody believes, everybody, 100% believes that it's, in, it's inefficient. So, as a businessman, the first thing I would do is look at the budget in depth and figure out where waste is. Once we know where the waste is, you start to take and you divert that money to the most needed programs, which would be something like children and youth. Right. So but, that but, would but be so my first. Go ahead. Let's let's say I mean because everybody's always looking for ways to to find you know waste and and fraud and so on. Let's say you didn't have those. You had two choices: help those kids or raise taxes or not. What would you do? I don't think you're going to be at that that choice. That's a, that's a, I'm not I'm not going to answer that question because I do not believe the only choice would be raise taxes. So don't misunderstand. I'm not skirting the question. I don't believe the only option would be to raise taxes. Okay. That's your typical politician that would just choose to raise taxes. I will not. How in God's name can any government official at this point, after what the government has done to our people over the past 20 months, can think that they could pull out one more penny from our citizens and have the right to do so? It, they should be removed from office. And, of course, I don't mean physically. I mean, they shouldn't hold the office <laughs> no, because they are not man. serving. Yeah, I have to, I, trust me, i got to be <laughs> mindful of every word without, without uh, how I get viewed. But, yeah, they, they don't, they're not serving the will of the people. Or, again, Alan, I would go right back to my, my previous statement. I would create public-private partnerships. I would be talking with – this is what I do. I, I unite people. I build teams. I mean, this is what I do. This is what I've done for 20 years. I, I build organizations and teams of people that, that work on visions together, execute action plans, and get results. That's what I do. All right. Thanks for your participation. You, you've been listening to Steve Lynch. He's a Republican candidate for Northampton County Executive. His opponent on the Democratic side is Lamont McClure. The election is just a few weeks away. Please, please participate in your democracy. Steve Lynch, Amen. thanks for joining us this evening. Alan, I appreciate your time. I appreciate the interview. Thank you to your audience for listening. I appreciate all your time as well. That was 30 minutes of your time that you gave to me, and I'm, 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 very, I'm very appreciative of that. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to WDIY, Lehigh Valley Discourse. I'm your host, Alan Jennings. Again, we are in a democracy. Democracy only works if you participate. Please participate. Your vote matters. Don't think otherwise because all you got to do is look around. You can see the many, many ways that uh, our government doesn't work if people don't participate. Thanks to all. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Lulu Garcia Navarro from Weekend Edition. When you do something often enough, it becomes second nature, which can make explaining it sometimes tough. Maybe you've heard people talk about sustaining memberships and how it is such an easy way to support WDIY. 
but you still aren't quite sure how it works. Well, here's the deal. Step one, you go to WDIY.org. Step two, hit the donate button to sign up to make an automatic recurring monthly donation. $10 per month is WDIY's most popular level, but of course you can give more. Step three, that's it. You're done. Actually, Eh, that wasn't so hard to explain. Visit WDIY.org to get started or call 610-758-8810. And thanks.